Hello, and welcome back to our sixth episode of Opportunity Thrives, where we are committed to better supporting the needs of today's struggling secondary students through interviews with students, teachers, administrators, technologists, and education influencers, we want to understand what's working in our schools today, what's not, and how we could impact positive and lasting change. We would love to hear your feedback and suggestions on our show. Please click in the podcast notes to leave us a review, provide your input, or send us any questions. You can also reach out to us at info at opportunitythrives.com. On today's show, we're going to explore CTE, or Career Development Education, available throughout schools nationwide. An increasing number of districts across the country are recognizing the value of career and technical education, and they are expanding their CTE programs by creating programs of study that are rigorous and aligned with post-secondary education as well as career pathways. Research has found that students who concentrate in CTE are more likely to go to college than otherwise equivalent students, and quality CTE programs can reduce the dropout rate by as much as 6%. Here's some information from experts in our industry, as well as school districts, and what they're doing to harness the benefits of quality CTE programs in order to increase opportunities for all students while maximizing academic outcomes. Today, we're going to discuss strategies for establishing CTE programs to support students who struggle as well as provide tactics for effectively implementing these programs and resources that can be immediately applied within your school district. We're excited to introduce our first guest, Michael Conant, the Deputy Executive Director for ACTE, where he is responsible for promoting the impact of CTE on America's learners. In his role, he also supports the development and growth of the organization's service to professionals that are engaged in preparing America's STEM learners as the next generation of workers. He leads the effort of the organization to build relationships that harness the potential of career and technical education, including opportunities to incorporate digital curriculum and create projects and initiatives that elevate the profession. We're so glad to have you here. Welcome, Michael. Thanks, Jason. It's great to be with you. We're equally pleased to have Sandra Cerny with us. Sandra is an online blended learning teacher and facilitator for the Temecula Valley Unified School District in Temecula, California. She currently teaches online CTE courses in the business and finance sector. She's collaborated on several curriculum writing and alignment teams for TVUSD, and she has developed a business management pathway that's the first CTE course in the district to be delivered completely online. Sandra has been awarded a CTA Institute for Teaching grant and has been accepted into the 2020 CTE Online Curriculum Writing Institute as a curriculum writing specialist. Welcome to the show, Sandra. Thank you. Glad to be here. Sandra, tell us a little bit about your students' needs. How are students' needs in your district either being met or not met as far as preparation for what comes next in terms of career, military, vocational schools, any other options or wherever they wanted to go after they left your, your system? Well, currently our school district prides itself in providing multiple opportunities for all of our students. We have uh, developed several CTE pathways in the last several years, as well as provide uh, their traditional A through G alternatives that they have available to them. Some students elect to go through ROTC programs, 
and explore careers uh, that way. So our students, fortunately, do have uh, several options that they can select from. Fantastic. Michael, from your perspective, what are you seeing nationally when it comes to CE courses? Are districts increasing the number of courses that they are offering? Jason, I think we're in an exciting time in education uh, and specifically career and technical education. We're experiencing a bit of a renaissance in terms of being uh, a a very popular option for students who otherwise uh, hadn't hadn't heard in the past of the opportunity to do things with their hands and to do applied learning and to be engaged in things like work-based learning. So uh, yeah, we are hearing about a number of our schools across the country uh, looking to expand the types of programs that they offer and taking a look at those programs that may not be as relevant in today's workforce as as they once were. And so in addition to those programs uh, being expanded, we are seeing an increase in the number of learners who are moving into CTE programs. Um, Right now, we know about 80% of all high school students will take at least one CTE program uh, throughout their high school experience. Experience. Um, but what we really are interested in is seeing those uh, students who become what we call concentrators, where they're taking two or more courses in a sequence in a specific uh, area. So instead of just taking, for instance, a, um, uh, a health science class as one elective, they're actually in a program of study that might advance them throughout the high school experience into a more complex set of instruction. So you're seeing more sequencing uh, both at the uh, high school level and then at the high school level as it's preparing to go into uh, a post-secondary. That's another big thing we're seeing out there right now are the options for blending those uh, post-secondary pathways into either a preparatory mode throughout high school or where students are actually getting uh, dual enrollment credit while they're in high school so that they're moving into the more complex and advanced courseware. Uh, You know, the other thing I'd mentioned earlier is Uh, there's a tremendous uh, interest and growth in work-based learning. I'm sure everyone's uh, been hearing uh, rumblings of apprenticeships as being a a big part of that, which it is, Uh, but there are many forms of work-based learning that are being adopted or reinstituted by schools. Uh, You're seeing, uh, you know, more schools involved with internship programs and uh, doing job shadowing, and, and even just the shape and design of career fairs are changing uh, fairly dramatically based on the types of industry and businesses that are out there. So um, a lot lot of leading indicators showing that the health of career and technical education is probably in the strongest position it's been in for at least 50 years, if not longer. Wow, that's fantastic. Uh, it's so interesting to hear that there are so many more students who are interested in learning more or taking or participating in CTE courses. Um, first of all, why do you think that is? And then second of all, um, how is it going to impact their lives long-term? You bet. Um, I think there are, are several factors on why CTE is, uh, you know, once again, becoming in, in vogue in schools and school offerings. Um, the first, I think, is just really uh, built into what CTE today is, and that is uh, a drive towards a very high quality and high caliber uh, instructional offering that is not just solely focused on the technical skill attainment. I remember, uh, you know, when I was 
was in school, those vocational education classes were really specific about uh, learning the trade or the specific uh, uh, techniques of the trade. Today's high-quality CDE programs are really about taking those technical skills and marrying them with those um, uh, core academic concepts. So when you're seeing, say, a construction ed program, uh, you're not just having it be about the techniques of construction, but they're embedding concepts such as algebra and mathematics and um, uh, science and, uh, you know, how do you communicate and uh, English and language arts. Uh, But then the third leg of a high quality CD program is built about an integrated uh, employability skill, or they're often referred to as soft skills. And that's really what I think is uh, uh, driving a lot of interest uh, by students and parents in uh, pursuing and being a part of uh, career tech ed. I think um, the other truism here is that uh, career and technical education classroom is really the best place where you're going to get real world experience. You're not just going to be getting quote unquote book learning, but oftentimes that hands-on or as I was mentioning earlier, work-based learning experience comes into play. You know, there's been so much emphasis over the last decade or so in STEM education. And we always like to say that there's no better STEM laboratory than a career and technical education classroom. I, I really appreciate having multiple perspectives on this podcast and having yours, Michael, which is a national perspective. But I, I, I really also uh, appreciate the importance of having somebody who's in the trenches working with students and running these programs every day. And, and Sandra, um, you're, an, you're our CTE instructor. Um, tell us about the impact that you see your programs having on, on your students. Um, how is it impacting what they're doing during the academic year? And then how have you seen it, it impact them uh, even after they've left the care of the school system? Well, to Michael's point, we've begun, when we started developing these CTE pathways, it was the goal in our district uh, from the beginning, not only to align our programs to California state standards, but to provide real world experiences for our students and to introduce these experiences to them as early as middle school. Um, Currently in our district, uh, we do have CTE courses offered at all of our feeder middle schools that feed uh, students into our current high school pathways. And and that's pretty exciting because it gives a student an introduction to an area of study and uh, an opportunity to explore that. And if they decide they like it, then they have the opportunity to continue that exploration in high school and take a two-year pathway or a three-year pathway that will lead them to some type of certification Another exciting development is that uh, many of our students have the opportunity for internships um, and or uh, what we're calling the work-based learning piece. They have they get to uh, participate with local businesses and other partners in our community who either will bring them on for a job shadowing day or uh, attend a uh, like a career type of day where they actually uh, give them some motivational speaking and talk to them about different areas of business, show them around to see what it is that they do. So this really gives our students a a unique opportunity to see what happens in the real world once they're actually out there. And uh, 
our students some of the benefits that uh, they have received and our employers is that we've had several students who've actually been hired by some of our local business people who brought them in either as an intern or for job shadowing or other work-based learning opportunities. So we're pretty excited about that piece of it. Great. Thank you for sharing that. Um, Michael, I'm going to go back to you. In a question about the, um, the Perkins state plans, how are you seeing districts respond to those state plans in, in, in general? Would you say that uh, districts are ready or not? A great question, uh, Jason. And uh, for all of the listeners today, if you're not familiar with the uh, Perkins Act or Perkins 5, as we uh, refer to it, um, this is the federal legislation that enables uh, and provides oversight for all of the uh, state's career and technical education programs and also provides funding out to um, uh, all the states to distribute to support programs uh, uh, across the country. Uh, so I I can sum up uh, Perkins five, uh, you know, pretty simply by four words, and that is a comprehensive local needs assessment or CLNA. This is a, uh, a part of the, the new law that is helping to direct and I think open up opportunities for local education uh, institutions and, and school systems to be truly relevant to preparing a workforce for their local communities. And so, baked into this law is a requirement that uh, every two years, the educational authority in a community that receives federal funding from the Perkins Act has to conduct a, a program where they are engaged with uh, all of their key community stakeholders. And that includes everyone from uh, their post-secondary institutions to their local workforce investment boards to uh, community and civic institutions and elected officials, just a whole host of people. And so the uh, states have all taken uh, uh, slightly dif different approaches on how and uh, who they would require their school systems to work with. But I think this is uh, so exciting, as I said, because this is an opportunity to move beyond just simply having an advisory board, which uh, most CTE programs have historically had, but an opportunity to really be thoughtful in working with those other uh, entities across the community to weave together a, an exciting and I think very important response to preparing our next generation of workers. Um, you know, we're in an unusual time right now with the pandemic, uh, but the uh, department had required all state plans to be submitted by this April 15th of 2020. Now, that date may be um, uh, extended uh, as the uh, federal government is is right now discussing what to do, but um, you ask about what are the states' uh, state of readiness, and I would say generally very good. Um, the law was enacted uh, a year ago in the summer, and it um, well, it was passed two years ago, and it actually came to life last year. Most schools and uh, states, I'm sorry, uh, opted to take a year of uh, implementation to write their plans and to, to put in place the, um, the guidance that would be helpful to the school systems. And 
so they've had that time to really structure, a, a, I think, a very powerful uh, response and, and putting in place procedures. And now, having said that, there are some states that are further along in the process than others. But I, I think really what has happened universally is a discussion and dialogue uh, among all of the key stakeholders and communities across the country on what they really want their career and technical education programs to be. And so for that alone, I think that there's a, a real benefit having already come out of that legislation. Mm -hmm. And Sandra, from your perspective as the practitioner, um, you get to implement and sort of follow the guidance of the state plans. Um, tell us how that, that guidance has impacted you and the way that you created your program and how you still run it today. Well, uh, to Michael's point, our state has really jumped, or our district, I should say, has jumped uh, head into the partnerships that we have in our community in order to really ask them, what is it that you need? What do you need from our uh, current graduates? What kinds of uh, experiences do they need to have, and uh, apart from soft skills, what are your your needs? And based on that information, it has driven our analysis of our programs. Our what are we offering? How are we preparing our students for the workforce? And it's provided us some insight into future pathways that we either need to develop or how we might need to adjust them and adapt them to the current need in the marketplace today. In terms of the teachers who are working in CTE pathways now, a lot of their work has been, in addition to teaching, has been aligning that curriculum to our local uh, secondary and post-secondary uh, uh, colleges. They have been working to articulate these courses. So many of our students not only are receiving uh, credit for their high school graduation, but they're also receiving college credits for their CTE pathway courses. So that's um, very exciting for the student, and it's very exciting for us because we, we know that we're working in the direction that they, the students were giving them what they need in order to be able to be successful at the college level. Very often, these pathways are something that can be continued once they get to college, so uh, they are able to continue their education there and explore that further. Um, so when it comes to the local needs assessment in your district um, and reconciling that with the, with the state level plans, um, how did you use those assessments in the business education programs to make sure that, that you, the students who participate in your program, they are prepared to participate in, in business? Okay, so for me, um, I do work at an online school. So this is the first year that we've actually launched the program online. So it's very new and it's very much uh, a work that is evolving. But as for the local needs assessment, uh, we have partnered with our local uh, regional consortiums and their regional plan. We've taken a look at that and determined what are their needs. And one of the things that we're doing is ensuring that we're able to provide access to students beyond our particular campus. Um, we're also ensuring that we're going to be working on the process of making sure that others populations who might not be able to access that have opportunities as well, such as our foster youth, some of our um, 
local tribal organizations. We've been partnering with them as well. And in terms of the business program itself, uh, we're still very much exploring those opportunities and exploring those relationships and preparing our students through curriculum that we're offering them that would allow them to go in anywhere in the community and and be work ready. Mm-hmm. Um, great. Uh, Michael, from your perspective, what are some of the most valuable resources that are available nationwide to CTE uh, programs and providers? So as I mentioned earlier, Jason, uh, this is an extremely unusual time for all of us uh, in the country and, and certainly in education. And so uh, our focus right now, and I hope, hope the listeners here uh, understand, is um, you know how can we arm our teachers to be best prepared to uh, uh, transition out of the traditional classroom into an online experience as a response to, to dealing with um, the school closures and the alternative for distance learning. So in uh, the past several weeks, we've had a number of conversations with uh, the U.S. Department of Education about what resources might be available to help support this. Um, The White House uh, Office of Science Technology Policy, or OSTP, has um, uh, issued a a briefing along with some uh, a, a large set of resources um, the technology industry has come forward with a really great database of online learning tools and resources uh, called techforlearners.org. Um, and so that's very valuable. But we at ACT have really focused on this as well, given the unique needs of career and technical educators, in that it's oftentimes difficult to try to translate a classroom or lab-based experience to an online one. Uh, so we've built uh, a series of resources uh, listed out on our website at acdonline.org. Uh, so I would hope that the listeners who are uh, just now facing the challenge of moving their career and technical education or any educational program uh, out of a traditional classroom base to, to online would find some value in, in those resources. Um, but I, I mentioned it earlier, and, and that is the concept of high-quality CTE. And so one of the most important tools that I think we're seeing used across the country, and um, a lot of it being motivated by a response to the new Perkins Act in that the language in Perkins uh, requires the uh, uh, servicing of high-quality career technical education programs. And so about four or five years ago, our uh, director of public policy and our research manager began an evidence-based program uh, to identify what are the most common elements found in high-performing, high-quality career and technical education programs. And from that experience and working with one of the regional educational laboratories, they've come up with a, a, um, a framework with 12 leading elements that are found in all uh, high-performing, high-quality CD programs. And so I invite the listeners, just if you're not familiar with it, to please do so at our website, Uh, There's a great deal of resource there uh, to help support uh, those uh, programs of study to better understand what is meant by each one of those elements and the, uh, the we call criteria. There's 172 points that flow into those 12 elements. And there's um, a set of tools and um, uh, some micro webinars with best practices there uh, that can help uh, all schools move up on, on their ability in using those. Uh, 
uh, or are striving for those high quality CD programs. Um, the last thing I just wanted to mention is we have a partnership with Accenture, a consulting firm around an employability program called Skills to Succeed Academy. This is a really great free resource that's built around these 37 modules that uh, students can pursue the development of those skills, uh, you know, getting ready to uh, uh, explore for a job, uh, preparing for a job, the job interview, and and then there's a series of modules when you actually get on the job, what are some of the expectations you need to be prepared for. It's a really great resource because it's developed in an interactive format that allows the, um, the student to actually role play out and see the um, consequences of the decisions that they make in each one of those environments. So uh, I, I think you know, there's a plethora of great resources out there. Uh, the key really is finding those that are going to be most relevant and immediate in need to uh, what the teacher is trying to do. Michael, I think you're absolutely right. And, and one of the resources that I think would be valuable to at least highlight in this conversation is Sandra's actually done um, that shift to virtual learning. And um, Sandra, this is a little off script, but uh, you're you're already doing what a lot of people are trying to do and to move instruction online or at least uh, mostly virtual. Um, tell us a little bit about your experience um, in, in that area and how you uh, parlayed that into your CTE program. Well, I can tell you that this did not occur overnight. <laughs> This is a process that has taken the better part of the last two to three years. And it started with uh, taking a look at what were the uh, the state, the California state standards for a high quality CTE program. And we basically compared that and aligned that to available curriculum that we had, uh, that we're currently using. So as it turns out, um, Apex Learning, I worked very closely with them over the last year and a half to make certain that our curriculum was aligned to these standards and some of the elements of the high quality CTE uh, as described by our California State Plan for Career and Technical Education. So that process uh, has led us to where we now have a two course pathway that is the concentrator course and then the capstone course. And one of those courses, we successfully received approval from our local community college uh, that we are now able to articulate that course to their campus. So that articulates directly into one of their business courses. So our students have the opportunity to earn credit for taking that course. Additionally, we've worked with the local, we have a team of CTE administrators and TOSAs and uh, liaisons in the community who are assisting not just me, but all of our CTE teachers and making certain that we have work-based learning opportunities for our students. Fantastic. Um, Sandra, are there any other resources that you have found useful um, in your program? I have. In terms of the business program itself, I have found that the MBA uh, Research and Curriculum Center, uh, their address is uh, mbaresearch.org. 
has several learning modules that some of them are free so that a teacher is able to take a look at those and try it out. Um, but they also have, uh, more importantly, additional information such as data and uh, about and surrounding the type of jobs and occupations that are currently um, expected to grow over the next couple of years where there's going to be a need for people with business skills in all areas of business. So that's a very helpful resource from that perspective. And uh, in terms of another online resource that is valuable for any CTE teacher are resources at CTE online. And that's another one where uh, those resources there are free and those are lessons created by teachers uh, for teachers. So that's a very, um, I have found very useful uh, lessons there that were applicable to our setting. I like this. You, you've essentially created a little uh, professional learning community in, in CTE. So uh, thank you for that. Uh, Michael, one last question for you. Uh, I'm curious, what do you anticipate will be the future of CTE? And what changes, if any, should we expect on the horizon? Wow. Well, uh, in today's environment, I will tell you there's huge changes happening. Uh, you know, wish that it wasn't uh, pre uh, precipitated uh, by the pandemic, but um, you know, something that I've been uh, suggesting over the last year, year and a half, is that uh, career and technical education has not been at the forefront of the use of uh, distance-delivered instruction. And a lot of reasons why, but most fundamentally back to that point about the very tactile, hands-on nature and work-based learning uh, components of uh, high-quality CTE programs. But with the advances in technology, you're now seeing uh, VR and AR and simulations uh, happening that uh, can really replicate and sometimes uh, directly uh, expedite the uh, type of learning experiences that are found in some ACTE programs. So the adoption and, and growth, I think, of distance-delivered instruction in CTE is going to be a big opportunity. It is right now, obviously, because the circumstances we're in. Um, the other things that I'm seeing coming down the pipe that are uh, starting to pop up fairly regularly is, um, you know, there's been a lot of discussion about the future of work. And given the advancing of automation technology, what might that do to careers in the future? And so um, while no one has the answers specific to that, I think uh, a number of instructors and institutions are starting now to uh, put into embed in their curriculum uh asking those questions, you know, how might your job change and how will you respond to a, um, a gig economy or a, um, uh, you know, a workplace that might be uh, all virtual or it might be evolving so rapidly you're going to need to continue, uh, you know, learning new techniques. And so uh, preparing for the future of work is going to be a big part of what you're going to see in the next, oh, probably year to two in, in career tech ed. Um, and as I mentioned, um, artificial intelligence and blockchain and automation are all going to uh, have an impact on CTE. The last thing that I think is going to continue to grow, and those in CTE are already uh, you know, very closely familiar with this, but most of education still is not, and that is the role of what we call CTSOs or career technical student organizations, groups like uh, FFA and DECA and uh, Skills USA and HOSA uh, and Future Business Leaders of America. These are 
not student organizations as much as they are intracurricular activities that are oftentimes tied to competitions that give those students an opportunity to demonstrate uh, in person the competencies they've had around their technical training. And I know that uh, the CTSO programs nationally serve about two and a half to three million students. I could foresee that number doubling within the next uh, 18 to 24 months just because it's such a relevant part of uh, CTE instruction. And, um, you know, given the change in technology, more and more is being able to be done virtually. And so I think you're going to see that level of activity increase as well. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, it's so interesting, just the the pace of change that um, this environment of school closures has brought about. And, and Sandra, that leads me to you uh, because you are not only are you an expert in delivering um, CTE, but you're also a practitioner who's doing it um, virtually or in a blended environment. So if, if people, um, if you have any advice to people who are embarking on <laughs> either one of those endeavors, um, what would you say and uh, what advice would you give them to, to launch their programs? Well, I think one thing to keep in mind is flexibility. I think we need to take a look at the ways in which we can adapt what we're currently doing in a different format. And that's a challenge depending on the particular pathway that one teaches. However, I do think, think we're challenged to think outside the box um, and explore all the ways that that we can reach more students. Because one of the things that I'm learning, even as I teach the online program, is that we, we need to be able to adapt. And this is something that we're learning we all need to do as employees in the workplace, especially in our current times, is we have to adapt what we do to our current situation. And this is something that businesses and companies across the country are having to do right now. So learning and teaching our students to be flexible and our teachers to be adaptable, to think outside the box, to find new ways uh, to do the things we've been doing, I think are all good things. And uh, as we continue to move forward over the next year or so coming out of this situation that we're currently in now, um, I think we're going to learn some things. I think we're going to find that we are able to do some things we never thought we were able to do previously. And and for me, that's exciting because that's a an opportunity and we are creating new opportunities, which uh, will lead to exposing more students to more experiences and giving them greater access and greater uh, chances to be successful, not only academically, but in the workforce. I couldn't agree with you more. I, I think exactly what you are doing is empowering students and providing them with more opportunities and actually preparing them for the skills that they're going to need uh, when they enter the workforce. Uh, I, I want to end by saying thank you so much to the both of you, uh, Michael and Sandra. Um, you all have provided valuable insight from multiple perspectives, from a national perspective, a state level practitioner perspective. Um, and it's been invaluable. Um, thank you again for your time today. We look forward 
to our listeners' feedback on today's show. Um, please reach out to us with any questions that you have or, or any comments that you have at info at opportunitythrives.com. You can write us a review on Spotify or iTunes. Thank you so much for listening today. We will see you next time.